structures are not serving us well. We need to creatively destroy the ships that brought us here and move into the land of the future with better tools. Tools that keep us safer and healthier, that create more wealth for more people, that foster more intimate and rewarding relationships. We need to leave behind what is not working. We need a modern revolution. We invite here, they are thinking differently, and we'll tell you where you can learn all about them later, after you have listened to them closely. For now, we don't want to impress you with what they have done, we want to impress you with what they have to say. The Modern Revolution will be podcasted. All right, well, welcome to the Modern Revolution, where we talk to people who are going about their lives in a way that they're looking to bring about change. They're looking to improve things, improve things not just for themselves, but for all of us. Um, the structures that currently serve us are at cross purposes at many times to our health and to our well-being. And so it's important for us to find the people that we feel like are doing good work in the world and call attention to them. We don't look to beat you over the head with their resume and establish their authority so profoundly that whatever they say, you feel like you have to agree with. And instead, you know, we invite our guests to uh, speak through their experiences and their ideas first, and then we'll talk more at the end about some of their accomplishments, and we'll also give you ways to connect with them. So. Every, every person we bring here, we feel like uh, is people that you should know. So today, we have the modern revolution, revolutionary Rosa Ferdesmachen. How did I do with that name? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, that's gracious. Thank you. And we, we know that, you know, you're a complex person with many facets to what you're doing and that you have a complex set of responsibilities and ambitions out in the world that, um, you know, it's a little unfair to ask you to distill it down to a phrase or a sentence. But if I would, I'd like to ask you, Rosa, can you give us sort of a thesis statement or an essence of what you're trying to tackle in the world? What problems are you applying your intelligence and energy to solve? Yeah, so Peter, thanks very much, first of all, for having me here. My work is really centered around creating connective tissue to support an ecosystem where healthier, more meaningful connections to our food, to our communities, and to our planet uh, become the norm. So is it, is it a fair paraphrase to say what, what you're observing out there is a disconnected and broken set of relationships that are both interpersonal and practical and is your work to bring those things together is that did, did i understand it okay yes uh so it's, it's really about uh helping to repair the damaged relationships that i see us having with food uh the fragmentation within our communities within society and the lack of regard that we've shown to the planet you know our home essentially sure. uh, 
Well, we, you know, we have an expression that we use frequently at the modern revolution where we say, you know, being, revo- being healthy is actually an act of revolution. And, um, and so we're, we're aligned with, um, with your perspective and uh, we're grateful for everything that you're doing. And we're going to talk more about that shortly. But this is not, you didn't pick a small thing to tackle. You have, you know, a big <laughs> thing. And as, as people like to say, like, if you pick a problem you can solve in your lifetime, you're probably shooting mm-hmm. for too small a problem to solve. So I, what I'm curious about is, um, was there a moment in your life, an epiphany-type moment that brought into clarity that this is where you should apply yourself, or was it incremental? Did you come to the decision to do this over time? Yeah, so... You know, I was in quite, you know, in, in full disclosure or transparency, I wasn't initially seeking to uh, do the work that I'm doing to normalize farm to table for everyone everywhere. It was at the tail end of a, a massively long divorce, a forever process that I was going through that had wiped me out financially, emotionally, mentally, in all different ways. And I was really, as, as a human being, as one person, trying to reconnect with myself with a, with a sense of purpose and meaning in my own life, sort of uh, reset everything and uh, recalibrate, rethink my life and think about how can I uh, inject a sense of true meaning and, and human participation into my own life, and how can I make the rest of my life really valuable, maximize what I can do as a human being um, on this planet, you know, while I'm alive. And at that time, um, I reconnected just mentally with the, the times in my own past that really stood out, that were almost markers, and uh, had impacted me in some way, And I realized that those were the times I had like very vivid uh, visuals come into my head as to what were those times that really stood out. And, you know, uh, they were times when it was around food and a connection to food, a a connection to uh, myself, you know, mindfulness, uh, a sense of feeling my own uh, humanity, of connecting with the soil, with the earth, uh, a sense of community. And I took everything that was a part of my past, and there's actually a few more pieces than that. It was uh, a sense of seeing injustices and wanting to empower people and wanting to empower myself, wanting to celebrate diversity, wanting to have this holistic, different life, right, that, that would encapsulate all my own core values, who I am as a person, what I believe in, what kind of world do I want to see and materialize right, in the most beneficial way for everyone. And so that is what led me on this journey to seeking to normalize farm to table for everyone everywhere, and I really mean that. Um, It's, you know, when I think about food, it was our, from an evolutionary perspective, our most fundamental core primitive way of connecting with other people uh, within our communities, our tribes, right? We celebrated things over food. We cried over, over, you know, someone dying or some terrible thing happening. There was always food, though, associated with the good and the bad. Whenever people came together to connect, they always did it around food. 
And when I look at the horribly damaged relationship we now find ourselves in, uh, in the food space and with the planet, how we're sourcing, how we're you know, wasting, how we're polluting, uh, the lack of nutrients, um, and all that, I, I really decided that this was something that was so meaningful to me that I wanted to devote the rest of my life uh, to this as, as a cause so, that I'm living. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And so it seems to me, you know, what, I, what I'm hearing in that description is that out of personal pain and discomfort that, yes. um, that maybe the, the deeper, truer parts of you started to come to the surface mm-hmm. while you were, uh, and it reminds me of that story, that Chinese teaching story about um, the, uh, the teacher presents a map of the world and tears it into, you know, 50 pieces and tells the student, um, you know, to, to, to put it back together. And, uh, and the student struggles, can't find exactly the pieces. And then the, uh, the teacher says, why are you having such trouble with that? And it's like, well, this is too complicated. The whole world is so big and there's so many areas. And then he flips all the pieces over and there's a picture of a person as he puts the single person together, the map of the world mm-hmm. comes together. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it just reminded me of that. So I want to ask you an additional question, but before I do, was the process consciously incremental for you or was it going on subconsciously and then it occurred to you? Like, was it, uh, I understand it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, oh, I got it. Or was it in the back of your conscious brain and your deep mm-hmm. unconscious, it was working it out and then bam, it presented itself. What, what was, what was, yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, th- this came, you know, to me literally um, in a afternoon, I was laying on the bed and, and just looking up at the ceiling and, and really evaluating my life. And I never do that in an afternoon. I never take a nap. I never just lay down. And this was the one, odd times that I did that and and I was laying there and really just reflecting and allowing everything to surface within me and at that moment I thought wow I personally needed it was it was from real need personal need uh I really needed a a break from my life at that point I'm a you know single mom and I was working full-time and I had a full-time divorce going on and I wanted to, to put a pause on this two and a half year thing and um I wanted to, to take a break from it and go, I don't know, run away somewhere and take a vacation and come back and, you know, then restart again. But I couldn't. I couldn't uh, physically and I couldn't uh, financially and, and I just couldn't. And so that's when everything gelled, all these different dots connected into my head of, wow, if I can't go do this, if I can't even have freedom in my own life to go do something I want to do, right, felt a bit of a prisoner, um, how can I bring that sense? of freedom, that sense of liberation, that sense of joy, that sense of adventure uh, to me personally. And how can I make that accessible to me and to others no matter what their socioeconomic level is, no matter where they're at in their lives? How can I make something that sort of becomes this very effective, helpful tool for people and it doesn't cost anything? How can I give them a tool to sort of, you know, unlock a sense of joy and to bring a sense of connectedness and meaning into their own lives whenever they want to. Um, 
And yeah. so this yeah, was that... this was you know it came into my head as as that, but then I didn't implement it for like you know two years. I didn't even pursue it. I wasn't even sure how to how to go about it first. It just like you know stayed dormant in my head. So if you're asking, was it incremental? Like it was in hibernation mode for a couple of years, and then it was after those couple of years that I actually took it out of the hibernation mode and started to really examine, okay, how could I put this into effect? So what, what is, what's important, I think, what's important to me and what I, what's important for me to highlight in that for people who are listening to this podcast is that you, a person may feel frustrated. They may, you know, be um, trying to find their path but uh, it doesn't mean that they aren't on the road to that path. There's maybe deeper parts of them sorting through things and that, you know, being open to it, it can then emerge. And I think mm-hmm. um, there are people that your story is not, you're not the only one to have gone through some of the things you just described. And there may be people mm-hmm. going through that right now. So for them, you know, I think it's a hopeful example to say, hey, it may feel like you don't quite know what's the right road, but the right road is maybe on its way to you. Let's turn back to sort of the um, the work that you're doing. And what, I, I have two questions. And the first, I have two questions about like our, envir- not our environment, not just our natural environment, but the, the water that we swim in. And the first one is, and I recognize there are many, many answers to this. So I'm going to ask you to pick um, maybe the one that you, you want to talk about for a few minutes, and that's what is the strongest force that you can think of supporting the status quo of this fracturedness that you are observing out there in the world? What is a strong force that supports the way things are um, that, in, that is present, keeping things from becoming the way you see that how they should be? How, what, would you, what would you pick, and then how would you yeah. describe it? Uh, that's a great question. But I, I think that that would be uh, special interests, uh, special interest lobbyists uh, for, you know, industrialized food producers, for pharmaceuticals, for chemical companies, for big ag, for large ranching operations. Uh, I, I see it as the lobbyists, the people who – who pay off other people who are in power to maintain their power so that the lobbyists, that the special interests groups can maintain the status quo and the power positions for the people that they, you know, uh, represent. So if I was just, just because we use these terms, I think frequently and with a broad brush. And so if, if I wanted to drill down just a little bit on that, would you say when we talk about special interest power that the, the force of there being an industry, that there is a group of people out there who choose to make their living asserting their influence to protect things that uh, they may know, hey, this is not in our best interest, but they represent them. Uh, is that like, is it people electing to take a route that they know what they're protecting is contrary to our 
are collective self-interest that's that problem, or do you see the people hiring them as more the, the, the worst end of the problem? I mean, I think everybody has a natural instinct to protect what they've built, and they put a lens on it that says, you know what, if you didn't have me, you'd have a whole set of problems that you don't realize, and you may not think you want me industrializing agriculture, but you don't realize that, you know, without me, you know, how many people go hungry in the world and so on and so forth. And, and it, I think it's natural to have a point of view that supports your activities, but to go out and just, uh, so that's like one group of people that maybe are having trouble. The people who do the hiring of special interest workers, and then there are special interest workers that are electing to say, regardless of the principle, perhaps I just want to continue this group's power. I mean, do you yeah. have a dog in the fight one way or the other in terms of what upsets you more or what you're in conflict with more? Yeah, so in the world, I, I see people as, as really fundamentally falling into one of two mindsets, worldviews. One is uh, ethos-driven, right? People who mm -hmm. are, uh, see the collective good as more important than or at least equally important to their own personal gain. Uh, so ethos-driven work, ethos-driven actions. Uh, and then I see a, another group, and that's uh, profit-driven. And, and personally, you know, what's in it for me, uh, the hell with the rest. And, um, and I don't think that – so I don't, I don't look at it as two camps like here's charity and here's profit, not at all. Uh, I don't think that either one of them have truly, in the big scale of things, been truly uh, effective to the bottom line of humanity. And I say mm -hmm. that because on the charitable side, there hasn't been a lot of traction. Um, and then on the, on the uh, profit-driven side, there's a lot of emptiness and uh, you know, superficial sense of where we've made so much progress or we're so ahead, and yet it's, it's really empty on the inside. And so the, the middle ground that I seek to uh, encourage or facilitate the growth of is conscious capitalism. So how can you do good, right? How can you be ethos-driven and uh, any, any uh, personal gain that comes out of that is really a byproduct at the end. It's an outcome. You know, it's, it's, it's something um, at the end. It's, it's not the beginning driving force. And I think that you can do a lot of good in the world and still be successful, still be, you know, profitable, still be all of those things that you personally uh, are seeking for yourself. Um, so when I look at these lobbyists and I look at the, uh, the, the interests that they uh, support and are there to sort of keep uh, in power, it's not that um, – you know, everyone should be dethroned and we should all fall to the ground. It's, it's more about what kinds of values do we have? What do we want to promote more of in the world in the sense of how can we have more holistically beneficial communities that really add value to our bottom line as human beings, right? The, the person piece of this, uh, the community piece of this. Um, and then you're in business, yeah, so your, your profit piece of this as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. I think that I think offered the choice to be the most ethical person, but to live in in poverty doesn't 
is not a choice that anybody wants to make. And I don't, and I think sometimes right. people put that falsely uh, in front of folks of like, well, it has right. to be like this. And, you know, what right. I, and we talk about a modern revolution for me, I think what you said nicely encapsulates some of the intentions that we're going to talk about on this podcast, which is that prosperity, there's a whole bunch of avenues to prosperity. It doesn't have to be the same avenues that we've had in the past. And, if it's costing us $322 billion a year to treat diabetics, um, that's $322 billion a year that if we didn't have diabetes uh, or if we minimized it to 10% of what we have it, that's an awful lot of um, uh, space in the world to do different things. And so I think, um, you know, that – we three just that that business alone. If we reduced mm-hmm. it, there would be money that's being spent over here that could be spent over there. And and I I, 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 I really strongly I strongly agree with with what you're saying. And that's that's something we could talk for a very long time about because I think we talk about having to revolutionize the system. I think there's a very profound uh, undertone to everything you just said. So if I, let's bring it back down to a person, to an individual. And mm-hmm. get, these are powerful forces. These are not easy to understand forces. They're not even forces that most of us are conscious as we go through our days in terms of messages we are receiving, the frequency and intensity mm-hmm. of those messages, the reality of things that we are consuming, how they are truly affecting us. It's such mm-hmm. a... Um, the water that we swim in is, um, in some ways, it's just so stacked against so many of us. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. a difficult, I think, thing to tease apart. So, given that that is the case, when you, when you if you're going to talk to an individual, and you're going to ask them to make a small, achievable change in their life in terms of their behavior, what what do you suggest to to have people align with your vision of? Uh, a greater level of interconnectedness between each other, the food that we eat, the way food is prepared and grown and so forth? I would, I would suggest that the small behavioral change would be as simple as, uh, you know, setting, setting a goal for yourself that, okay, one night a week or one afternoon a week, whatever, once a week, have a farm-to-table dining experience. Gather your friends and family around. Create a meaningful sense of community within your own home, right? And then uh, source from a local grower. Uh, And if you can cook yourself, fantastic. You know, put into effect the, uh, implement the the slow food movement's philosophy, right? Of slowing down, of being mindful, of being in gratitude. You know, we don't don't have to wait for (laughs) Thanksgiving to be thankful and to be in in gratitude like I I wake up every morning and I'm grateful uh, simply to be able to breathe be able to move be able to experience with all my senses this this beautiful world that we're a part of and that I want to personally add value to that's my own you know life mission goal Um, but it's really about picking you know if, if people aren't slowing down to eat right now if they're just like eating in the car or at their desks at the office or uh, whatever it is, uh, or if they're eating alone, you know, um, I don't know of anything more enjoyable to myself than a sense of community when I'm eating, 
um, and, and eating with other people and having these, um, you know, conversations that are connecting us and then connecting with the food itself. So how can we source from a local grower? If we have a backyard garden ourselves, even better, you know, uh, grow things in our yard. If we have a yard, if we live in a, an apartment or condo or share a room, I understand that. So you can go find a, a little local grower, maybe a neighbor down the street that grows stuff that wouldn't mind uh, selling you some of their surplus. But really connecting one-on-one -on -one with other human beings rather than going to a grocery store, going to some generic place um, where all that food's been picked and you know gone through the whole industrialized process that's just nauseating. But really doing that and having a farm-to-table dining experience on a weekly basis and sort of making that like a, a small incremental step that will improve your health, give you a, a stronger sense of community, um, and will source from a local grower, right? Give give work or yeah. give some money to someone locally. Yeah, I you know I I um I love I love all of those ideas, and I um I'll, I'll, I want to take just a little bit of a beat in terms of um depending on where you are as a listener to this idea, um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, there are two things that were a part of what you just said. And so the modern revolution is a, a production of a broader company I have called the well-run life. And I do nutritional counseling, um, on occasion with people and, and so much of what, uh, in terms of behavior, it comes down to is getting people to cook and, and if mm -hmm. I teased apart, you know, two ideas in, in what you just said, it's that, like, even if you don't have the information or can't find, uh, you know, this next week where your local food is being grown, um, so many people don't cook. Like, they don't cook at all. <laughs> and, or if they do, it, they, you know, it's so infrequently. And, um, and if somebody started with that, like, well, I don't know where my farmer's market is or what, uh, hours it's opened or, you know, if that yeah. sounds um, intimidating to anybody who's listening, then go to the, gro go to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Go to the grocery store and try some organic produce and, you know, or if you can't afford organic produce, you know, take food with the intent, you know, and bring it home with the intention of mindfully preparing it and sharing it. Um, everybody has a grocery store, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you don't know how to cook, that's why God invented YouTube, I'm pretty sure. So, um, and also, I, I love, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if people don't uh, don't have the time to cook themselves, or don't want to cook, or don't know how to cook, and and feel you know intimidated by that process, there are people in the community that are culinary talent, right? They can come into yeah. your home and cook for you from scratch, and it'll cost it'll cost you less than eating out because, uh, you know, there's the way it, it actually works out and the, the app that I created essentially is, is normalizing farm-to-table for everyone everywhere. Really, it's about how do you, if you don't cook, which I hope you cook, but if you don't cook, then how can right. you bring, you know, a, another home cook, another novice cook who has a passion for cooking or a culinary student or a professional chef into your home to cook something farm-to-table where they sourced it from, a wonderful local grower or maybe their own backyard or maybe your backyard and then cook yeah. for you from scratch and give you that sense of what is what is slow food really like you know a homemade a homemade meal in your own home and it's and it is 
it, it is doable. It is uh, actually quite affordable because uh, cost-effective, truly, uh, in that you know you're not you're not tipping these people, and it's BYOB, and those tend to be the two biggest components of eating out. And more most people eat out no matter what their socioeconomic level is. They're still eating out. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, the, 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 it's an economically rational choice for so many people. Like if you go you know, dollar per, per calorie, sadly. Yeah. Um, and so it's understandable. Mm-hmm. But this is a good segue. So, so let's talk about and, uh, the partnerships that you're developing and let's talk a little more specifically. We've, we've understood a little bit about, you know, how you came to this idea and why it's important to you, where things are broken and, you know, why people might underappreciate how serious um, this disconnectedness is and, um, and even like what now, what, what they could do. But, but now let's talk a little bit about your practical work and um, mm-hmm. which I know you do many things and you have a lot of different uh, avenues into the community, but maybe you could pick one or two of your most important partnerships and let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so, uh, you know, adventurous eating, being open to other cultures, other cuisines, uh, sourcing locally, uh, normalizing farm to table. That's all a part of, you know, the app that I created called Bites. And Bites is now in partnership. I'm so extremely humbled and excited and grateful that uh, we're in partnership with this global organization uh, called So Far Sounds. And they are all about community and inclusiveness and music, essentially pop-up little intimate concerts. Uh, tiny oh. concerts. Yeah. <laughs> that happen in these very random, interesting, quirky places that are not stage sets, that are not, you know, your standard cookie-cutter place to have uh, a concert. And so Bites is partnering because this is about really essentially with the app, it's like the pop-up dining or the pop-up chef and then the pop-up music, right, with So Far Sound. So we're collaborating now in Phoenix um, and we're piloting Phoenix. Uh, to see how this this could actually grow this partnership, um, but essentially, when uh, so far sounds uh, puts together a small concert in a secret location, which they disclose the day before the event, uh, and you have to apply to attend, um, it, then we bring a chef to this pop-up uh, music event that is BYOB as as well, um, and the chef uh, does three different bites. Uh, of food uh, and then pairs them with the three different uh, bands, performers um, during that event. So people get a, a taste of, you know, uh, farm-to-table uh, experience and three different bites. And here, three different indie bands um, that are totally secret and undisclosed to, uh, to the people there for this event and it's happening in a secret location. And so it, it really brings a sense of inclusiveness and community in a, in a real way where everyone is welcome and it's in an unpredictable place. So it gets people out of their typical normal thinking into a more creative, expansive mindset. And so that's how we, we plan to sort of grow this farm-to-table you know, app and movement and normalizing this for everyone and, and showing everyone how they can participate. Yeah, that's, that's a remarkable idea and, and, and has really beautiful subtlety to it. Let's take, um, 
let's let's take uh, things a little bit one at a time just for a minute because I don't want to assume that our audience is familiar with your app. So just give us a real brief um, description of your app, and then I'm, I'm assuming it's available on different platforms. And so I want you to tell us just a little bit about it and then how you can get it, like if there's a cost to it and, um, you know, sure. what you're going to find out of it. But let's do that. Sure. So it's free, no cost. Uh, it's a free mobile app that you download okay. from the App Store or Google Play onto your phone. Um, and it's called Bites, B-I-T-E-S. And Excellent. it connects foodies. So uh, when I say foodie, I really mean someone who wants to taste their way through life, right? Wants to be open nice. to other cuisines and, and tastes and flavors of the world. And so it connects foodies with local chefs for in-home farm-to-table dining experiences that uh, cost less than eating out. So the, the chefs on this app are comprised of home cooks, uh, someone like myself who you know, never went to culinary school but I enjoy cooking, uh, could be on this app and create a free you know, uh, home cook profile and offer my services to the, to the community. And uh, additionally, culinary students and professional chefs can participate on this app. So they create a profile, the foodies check them out on the profile, chat with them, reserve their services right through the app. Then the, the chef gets pinged that they just got a reservation. They turn around and support a local grower uh, and then take those fresh seasonal ingredients along with their pots and pans into a foodie's home and cook for that foodie right in their kitchen uh, from scratch. So it brings farm to table into people's homes in a place that is intimate and that is special to them. You know, our homes are, are like our sanctuaries. And so when the message of farm to table hits home, like in the realist way, right, comes into your home versus you going to a farm to table restaurant that's outside of you, um, it, it helps to solidify the message of what is farm to table and how real food slow cooked should taste like, right? How, how can we connect, bring our friends and family together over this dining experience um, and share that in a way that's meaningful to, to everyone? So that's what the app does. So the app's called Bites. It's B-I-T-E-S. And if you're someone who you, you really like what you're hearing today and you have no idea how to begin to put these broken pieces back together and you're like, but you really want to, um, this is a free resource that people can now access that can put you on the road of, of achieving what Rose is talking about. And from a cost perspective, if you're somebody, the vast majority of us that eat out, it's, it's not going to cost you more than it was. So it's going to give you a resource to kind of align you with um, what Rose's work is about in the world in a way that um, won't won't hurt you in any financial way and instead will uh, open up possibilities you, you wouldn't have known are there because these apps are going to connect people that aren't currently connected. And then you've overlaid music to that with mm -hmm. So Far Music. Did I get that name right? Oh, So Far Sounds. Yeah, so that's a, so far a special additional yeah, partnership that uh, Bytes has entered into with So Far Sounds. So the word So Far is all together, S-O-F-A-R, and then the word Sounds. Is, is the second piece. Um, and they're global. They're all around the world. And uh, they, they have two partnerships around the world. One is with Airbnb, 
and one was with Guinness beer. And so the fact that they're, they're talking to, to Bites is a huge like, honor for me that yeah. uh, this, this little tiny tech startup you know, that I started uh, and this app just went live in Metro Phoenix you know, just a few months ago, um, it's a huge honor for me and, and I'm so super grateful that they felt so aligned that we are uh, piloting this in uh, Phoenix now. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, the Phoenix people, you shortly will be able to bring me to your house as a chef. I'm going to sign up <laughs> as a chef. And we have a summer festival on Grace Farms that needs music, by the way. So if you have somebody uh-huh. you want to oh, yes, come, totally. <laughs> uh, let, let me know because we're in the process for this Saturday of securing yes. some music. So we want to highlight yes. this at uh, Grace Farms. We're happy to do that. Well, there, there's a lot in what we talked about today that you have the idea mm-hmm. is complex and the, um, and congratulations on thinking of an elegant way to approach this complex pro- problem in a way that um, the way that there's all these status quo forces that are kind of in the water, so to speak, in our environment, mm-hmm. pushing us in a less healthy direction. You're offering mm-hmm. a different type of water where if you're um, interacting th- with this app, then all of a sudden the quality of your food is improving and you're relationship to how you're eating changes it's a it's a nice way to it to deal with many things at once and so i'm really i'm excited yeah. to watch it root and grow uh as we kind of come to our conclusion i'm going to put on the modernrevolution.com uh show notes that will give people ways to find you and learn more about you and obviously we feel like you're somebody that's important for people to know you so um, minus the show notes, is there another place that you want people to, to go look for you um, besides the app? Anything that you want to call our attention to? Sure. Uh, thank you, Peter. And that would be our website. So if you were to go to www.bytes.mobi, so that's M-O-B-I, so it's bytes.mobi. Mm-hmm. And if you go there, uh, you can check out our ethos, our humble roots, uh, check out what they've talked about in the press in the sense of uh, what this app is about, how it's ethos-driven, and then you can see the, the social media links we have there. And, okay. um, and it's more about the, the content, uh, what it is that we're sharing on our social media that's really about getting the message out to how can we create more meaningful interconnectedness with our food, with our communities, with our planet, uh, through our own uh, individual efforts, right? How can we empower yeah. more of us? Terrific. So, so the website, um, so the website M O B I B I T E S, is that right? No, uh, so it's bites.mobi. Both www. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Correct. Yep. And from there, we can find you and all the, the uh, Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of it. We're going to find uh-huh. your social links there. Terrific. So we'll send people to remember the website, and from there, they can, uh, they can connect with you in all the various ways that's their preferred, um, preferred manner. So, Rosa, listen, I, I really think what you're doing is important, and I think uh, you're a success with the things that you're working on will have, you know, broader implications than just people having uh, a nice time. Uh, I'm a real believer in 
you know, the most nutritious food is the food that has the most flavor. And, um, you know, that's mm-hmm. a idea that Dan Barber has. And, but to yeah. get to that space, you have to be in relationship with the people who make it, the people who prepare mm-hmm. it, and then an openness mm-hmm. to a new flavor. So many people have to retrain their palate from yeah. years of eating things that, um, that don't live at that juncture of nutrition and yeah. flavor. So, so thank it's you for paradigm. all your... Thank new you. paradigm, a new a modern revolution. Yeah. Um, so we're grateful for you spending time with us. We'll look for you to come back in, in the future. And, uh, and, and thank, thank you, you again for everything you're doing. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm grateful. Thank you. The show notes for this show and all our shows can be found at themodernrevolution.com. So please go there where you can check out the show notes and learn more about our guests and see some of our fun videos like Tell Big Soda to Piss Off. The Modern Revolution is a production of A Well-Run Life. In A Well-Run Life, we have an additional podcast by the same name, A Well-Run Life, and it's three minutes long. And should you be interested in some of our additional ideas, Peter Dealey, myself, I have a book called The Leadership Miracle, and it's 35 minutes and it's on audible.com for $3.95, so you can check us out there as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode.